We are up to episode 101. We made it past 100. We did. We survived this is 100 episodes. Crazy Hambone. This is amazing. We are back. This is My Thai TV or My Thai Happy Hour. It's so weird because we're now on, on, on TV again. I've heard it both ways. Not really. Not really on TV. We're, we, we could be on TV. You could actually broadcast us on your television. We're on the social medias. We're on all the, the Twitters, the Instagrams. We are so bad. Hey, Hambone, are you a millennial? No. What year were you born? 1979. I just missed it. Oh my god. You are like the fringe millennial. I am so on say. the fringe. Yeah. I'm a technically a Gen Xer. I am uh, I am a Gen Xer. Uh, our guest today is a Gen Xer. However, he is knee deep in millennials and can talk to them, so we've got him on. But I want to know, Hambone, what do we have in store for the kids today? So what we have in store for the kids today, we are going to talk about not one, but two fire Festival documentaries. Two! Two! Two. Two. Like battling documentaries. Dueling documentaries. I'm so excited for this. We're going to talk about The Punisher a little bit. If we got some time, we're going to talk about Star Trek. And I'm going to teach you how to make a cocktail this week. We're also going to talk about True Detectives. And we're going to talk about True Detectives. I'm so excited to talk about how that show actually survived the shit can and it's back. It's pretty good. I watched a lot of TV this week, everybody. Okay. A lot. Let's get going. My Thai happy hour. So we have a great guest for us today. My, my, high, school, my high school buddy. Yeah. Uh, currently... Internet famous because of his uh, Audible chapter on Chris Gethard's new book. There you How go. How to Lose Well. Mike, thank you for joining us today. We have the great Mike Dolan with us. Uh, where are you from? Can we say, like, what would you give your 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 uh, discography as? Like, so I, I, I'm a creative director. I work at, at the news, but I'm a proud New Jersey boy. That's the most important thing. Although I've spent, spent the last decade and change in Brooklyn, so... Uh, we, you know, you're still, we can't, you can take the boy out of West Orange, but you can't take the West Orange out of the boy. Certainly not. I've learned that from, from, uh, Mike Ness, a different Mike. Different Mike. Uh, And it was white trash, not West Orange, but I think it sounds much better. Same, same. Uh, so we're going to talk today about the, uh, the fire festival, but first you're going to teach us how to make a cocktail. I am. So this is still the month of January. So it is still AKA month. And tonight we're going to take you through a drink called the test pilot. The test pilot. Yeah. Open that book up. So, You're still using got credit Beach Bumberry every time. Of course, I love Beach Bumberry. This is the Sip and Safari by Jeff Berry, Beach Bumberry, the 10th anniversary edition. I am super in love with this book. As you know, I'm not much of a reader, but I'm reading this. Awesome. So what's cool about this drink is that it is another drink that has multiple different names. Now, the drink, as it's known, is known in most places as the jet pilot, but today we're going to show you how to make the test pilot. So now what's cool about the test pilot is this. It is a rum-based cocktail, as they all are supposed to be. So this is going to be a half ounce of freshly squeezed lime juice, a half ounce of falernum. Falernum. It, falernum. I got to say it. Like, it's my favorite word. Falernum. 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 Yes. Uh, <laughs> one tablespoon of Contrao, or if you don't have Contrao, you can use some kind of orange liqueur, dealer's choice. One and a half ounces of dark Jamaican rum, which is definitely something you're going to have to have on deck if you're a tiki affectionado. Did I say that right? Affectionado? No, it's aficionado. Aficionado. See, ah, that's close. I, that's, I said it right. Um, we have three quarters of an ounce of light Puerto Rican rum. One dash of Agnostora bitters. You're going to put in six drops of Pernod, so you know that bottle of absinthe that's sitting there. We're teaching you how to get rid of it here on My Thai Happy Hour. You're going to use one cup of crushed ice. You're going to put it all in a blender. Blend for five seconds. Pour unstrained into a double old-fashioned glass, adding more crushed ice to fill, and then you garnish as you desire. So double old-fashioned would be just more alcohol. Yes. Or it's just a bigger glass. It's just a bigger glass. You're a bartender. I was never a bartender, so I never. I'm really not good with the glassware. You know, glassware is tricky because in most instances, glassware where you go to any kind of bar, they're going to have a rocks glass, they're going to have a highball glass, they're going to have a martini glass, and then just your pint glasses, average pintware. Unless it is a bar, like say when we went to the uh, Polynesian, where they had very specific drinks for the cocktails that weren't tiki mugs. So this is still coming from Don's Drink Dispora, 1941 and 1971. At Don the Beachcombers, it was called the Test Pilot. At the Lanai, it was the Ace Pilot. At the Polynesian, the Mach 30. Bali High had it as the Jet Pilot. And Monokai Room had it as the Astronaut. So from Sip and Safari 10th Anniversary Edition, a.k.a. month of January, there's your drink for the day. One day I need to take you to his bar in New Orleans. 
Oh, yeah. Because it's one of the best tiki bars in the world. I bet. And uh, I think everybody needs to make a pilgrimage out there. I think everybody but you has been out there. Well, technically, a little while back when I was drinking a little too much, I was warned to not ever go to New Orleans because I'd die. But I think I can handle it now. Yes. We got to get you there in Vegas. I've been to Vegas. So we have never gone back to Vegas. We have Mike Dolan with us today. We thought we, we needed somebody who could really, really get into the mind of millennial influencers. Because we are so far like beyond that. Like we are so so uh, what's the word? We are so uh like 6 degrees of separation, which is n- not that far. But now, you know what I mean. For for the people listening at home, what would you define a influencer as? Is it the girls that sell the flat tummy tea? Yeah, Mike, that's for you. Okay, well, I can't see you guys, so I have to guess. I mean, I, I think there's two parts. When, when I think of an influencer, I actually think more of like Buddy Holly or Les Paul. Because in my mind, somebody who is an influencer was somebody somebody that uses a product and actually has a use for that thing. And they really like it. And, and you can actually understand why they would use that thing. Um, but I think what it's come to mean now is essentially a person you pay to take Instagram photos or make a YouTube video about your product. So I don't really see there being much difference in most cases just between it being an ad, but it's just kind of like a clever word that people use to to make it sound like a new and fresh type of marketing. But really, it's just no different than an advertisement. So I want to put it, put it out here, Hambone, and I've gotten a little bit of heat on this on the Twitters. I hate anybody who calls themselves an influencer. Yeah, it's like when you go around telling people that you're funny. Or a rock star, or cool, or if you make up your own nickname. Which I didn't do. Yeah, I know. Thank God. A weird story anyway. Hey. But I, I'm blown away by just the amount of people. Well, it's like thought leader. Or you know what my favorite is, Mike? Futurist. Ooh, that's the most douchey of them all. Yes, very it's high. A good gig if you can get it, though, right? <laughs> Amen, brother. I mean, I can tell what the future is. Like, how many times? How how often do you have to predict the future to be able to use the word futurist? Once. I, it's got to be just once. It's it, like cock push-ups, only one. I, or it's like if you wouldn't you use it for something more like winning the lottery? Yes. Like if I could see the future, it would not be to judge whether or not like some new thing happens it would be to win the lottery yeah stock market lottery how i die the only three things i really need to know to survive this world so fire festival two documentaries dropped earlier this week one on hulu one on netflix it was crazy because like hulu never announced theirs and then waited till fucking like netflix let up the embargo for the reviews dropped at the same time seo masterpiece because everybody was searching for fire festival documentary and hulu is popping up on the top that's a level of pettiness i could really get behind yeah uh but but we're here to talk a little bit we didn't talk about the fire festival enough when it was happening it was an amazing thing that unfolded mike i want to know first of all like why would people pay ten thousand dollars to see blink 182 we've seen them for a lot less when they were a lot more popular and they sucked live I mean, I you know, yeah, we I've seen Blink eighty two, and they're not <laughs> not the greatest live experience. I'll agree with that. I mean, I I think right if you break it down well, I'm gonna pay ten thousand dollars to go and see a bunch of bands. Like that's crazy, right? Because you could see those bands anywhere. I think why people were actually paying ten thousand dollars is what I think of as you know the fake baller fantasy, right? right. If I pay if I pay ten thousand dollars, I can suddenly become part of this elite world where it's, you know, half-dressed models running around and everyone wears gold chains that cost six months salary. And, you know, I've got three speed boats, not I've got two that just sit there. I look at, and I think that's what people are buying into, right. Is the fantasy. And I think that's where it kind of gets scary with the influencer piece, because, you know, I don't, I, I am concerned that people don't know what's fake and what's real anymore. And I think like, influencers blurring that line is a, a little bit terrifying and and it's funny after i watched the the netflix fire festival documentary this weekend the first thing i said was oh wow i'm pretty sure that instagram is just like signed sealed and delivered the doom of human society <laughs> after watching this so yep. for those who do not know and everyone should go watch this documentary this weekend or either of those the Hulu one I liked was a little bit more about the financial nuance nuance behind it it was a lot about following really the the co-creator of Billy McFarland as he's becoming a scumbag through life well well no let's let's not say that he's always been a scumbag yeah, well, you but know, he was the rise revealed. of scumminess yeah and 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 it, the it really goes well interviews so they got an interview maybe by some like pretty 
sleazy methods themselves. I think they paid him a lot of money to get that interview. Netflix went the other route and mostly focused on the news events, though they that documentary was supposedly created by the shitty marketing firm that uh, the Fire Festival hired to do it. So fuck Jerry, and I'm not saying fuck Jerry. Fuck Jerry is the actual name of the company. Fuck Jerry. Uh, a lot of people follow them on the Instagram. They put up memes and pictures and little things that are supposed to make you laugh. And they're also a like major social media company. And they went and got into bed with Billy McFarland and did all the crazy social media, which was fucking genius, by the way, to get the fire Festival off the ground. Now, when everything went south, they made their own documentary about how bad it was. And, of course, they've got firsthand information. They had a, they had a front row seat for the whole thing. Yeah, I don't know if you knew that, Mike, because the Hulu documentary I, outs it at the very end of the documentary. That That's actually what, what Hambo just brought up about Fuck Jerry Make It. To me, that's actually the most interesting part of this entire situation because I think... So I don't know, and I, I won't get like too deep down this rabbit hole, right? But you know, if you work at an ad agency or in that industry, the way that the the billing is structured. So basically, you sign on to a project like the Fire Festival, you get a little bit of money up front, and then you're promised a whole bunch of money after the thing is mm-hmm. finished. So I think what's interesting here, right, is you've got Fuck Jerry. They were probably, I, I mean, I won't even guess how many hundreds of thousands or or millions of dollars they were offered to have this account for a year or two years. They go into this thing. They put all this work in it. They're taking on a bunch of costs. They see the entire thing fall apart. They've got bills to pay. So the only way for them to, you know, recoup their money is to then say, well, we've got, what do we have? We've got all this footage. Let's sell it to Netflix and and try to make back some of that money. So I think that's kind of fascinating that the way that the the, the billing works and the money gets moved around in these things. Well, good for them. Someone had to get paid for this whole whole debacle. Well, to be clear and fair, uh, I don't know if you saw the New York Times article, Hambone, but the one lady, uh, the lady who handled their catering, yeah. was out thousands of dollars, tens of thousands of she, dollars. She spent over fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, she yeah. is. They put a GoFundMe up for her, and it's well surpassed what she was asking for. One hundred twenty k is what it So hit. at least somebody. I think it has like one hundred fifty already. Oh, cool. So I, I'm super happy she's getting paid. But well, let's walk it back for second because yes. the people listening at home who might not have seen the documentaries yet what the fire festival was supposed to be was this big aspirational you know if you are an influencer if you are a person who wants to be seen to have more than you have or to be kind of that living your best life on the internet instagram famous they sold this festival to and they, and they actually said it in the documentary which i thought was uh which I thought was interesting that Billy McFarlane was like, well, who are we making this festival for? He's like, well, we're selling it to these morons in the Midwest that you know just want to hang out with models and think that, that life is better on the other side of your phone screen. And so they sold this entire festival on that concept, and it went over like gangbusters. And it went over to the point where they were selling out of everything and just kept making up events that they didn't even think of just to keep selling and making more money. And Billy McFarlane got in the business of robbing Peter to pay Paul, and the entire thing was put on on an island that was not meant to have a live music festival that couldn't accommodate, like, what, a few thousand people for the festival? Maybe, I think it was like 10,000 people. Yeah. And then uh, wackiness ensues. It turned into a little bit of the Lord of the Flies. D- let's not forget Ja Rule. Oh, ho, ho, ho. Ja Rule, who was just on Twitter yesterday, since the documentaries have come out, saying that he's he's the victim. Ja Rule also is caught in the Hulu documentary. I don't know where they got the footage of it, but him basically saying it was all his idea. It was all his thing. Oh, yeah. And now he's making his own app that's very similar to what the Fire Festival was, was, which is a way to get rich people or upper middle class people. I don't know who the hell would do this. I mean, shit, if I can get the Coffin Cats for five grand, I would do it. But basically <laughs> matches up people's budgets to bands they could afford for their parties. And it's like a swipe left, swipe right, right. Like I can get Coldplay for like this much. Um, but he's actually doing it now. He's taking the idea, and Ja Rule's making it. And I've always considered ja-, ja Rule like maybe a step above DMX. Would you agree, Mike? I yeah. I mean, even that. I mean, is <laughs> I think is giving is giving him a, a lot more credit. And then I would I would even go a step further here and though say if, if you're the kind of person which I'm certainly not who could and would want to have Coldplay could afford to have Coldplay come and play at your birthday party or whatever. Would you trust that through an app? And I think that <laughs> that that transaction, right? That's how the Fire Festival happened. Like, 
oh, well, the, well, the app says it's okay. Here, take my money. And I think, like, Fire Festival's at the small end of it, but then it would go all the way up to booking, like, you know, Coldplay or Lady Gaga or whoever. Like, that seems just, like, absolute madness. But, you know, where, where things appear to be heading with, with the whole influencer world. It's kind of crazy because they went so far as to, as it was going, telling people who... and Well, first off, anyone who had any kind of dissent towards the fire festival uh, a guy who's in the documentary who ends up taking them to court starts making a fake twitter account to expose the fire fest so they are burning left and right any kind of negative press that comes out about it throughout all this they're like oh hey um it's going to be a cashless event so you know you might want to put like three grand on like this like id wristband to Make sure you have money to last the whole week. And people are putting like 300 bucks a it's day. like a magic band at Disney. Like a magic band at Disney that they didn't even have yet. And people just did it because well, the app told them so, to. So look, it was a Ponzi scheme. I mean, it was one giant Ponzi scheme. Oh, my God. Like yeah. he was just trying to pay previous vendors with new schemes. But all right, so let's let's back up a little bit to that app that we're talking about. Mike, you were known as the godfather of the West Orange punk rock scene, right? Just about. Just agree. So I've heard. I agree. I've heard that said before. <laughs> so, uh, if, had you had this app twenty years ago, would it have been a shitload easier to have booked Felix Frump in your backyard? <laughs> I mean, hopefully. I, I as long as they had an option in the app that you could just pay them with like a case of Coca Cola and a case of Bud Light. As long as that was one of the payment options, yeah, it would have been beautiful. How much did Less Than Jake cost back then? I honestly, I'm. Um, I could be wrong, but I'm fairly certain Less Than Jake played just for whatever we passed the hat for because we definitely didn't have any money. So, I mean, they probably played for, like, maybe they got, like, 100 bucks, maybe. And that's a ska <laughs> um, band. It's, like, six members. Well, they were a ska. All right, so Less Than Jake was a little bit different. They weren't just – it wasn't, like, the toasters. It was, like – there was still six when, when they were around here. There were six members in there that was band. A, there was a lot of them. I don't think there was quite that many. I don't remember. Was there that many back then, Mike? They just had one horn paper, three horn players. I, they definitely. I mean, two. I would say it was at least six people. It might have been even more than that. And they also had like roadies. They were on a legitimate tour, so they had like a crew to feed. Um, yeah, but I think you know it was Fourth of July, and I think they needed a place to play. We we had a backyard, and they they were game to do it. So we, we we spent the last couple of weeks talking to a bunch of musicians about you know whether whether the scene is different now or whether we are just old. Yeah, I think it's basically where we we're going. It's the argument we we're making, and everybody's like, "No, nah, it's just like the whole way you consume music and get to music and and see music is completely different." But I am so uh, I'm so for that type of app, but like for the low end, like I want it to be like, yeah, you could do Coldplay if you want, but if you also want to somehow get just rando punk band you could do that and then you could always you know you could have birthday parties with punk bands again that'd be fun i don't know i don't know i probably am just an old man that was my favorite take from the fire festival could you imagine me getting rancid to play at my mom's house in, in wayne and like tim armstrong meeting my mother no only because a little Dolores would i don't even know what she they would, would, she would know what to do <laughs> i used to kind of know what the asbury lanes would offer but like that was just yeah it wasn't too it wasn't too bad mike what would it take? So, so part of this, we're, we're, we're talking about the fire festival. What Hambo does not know is that we're also giving him a makeover tonight. What? We are going to turn him into an influencer, dude. I will never be skinny enough to be an influencer. Hambo is like running his own production company now I and am. has the worst social media presence I'm ever. Pretty bad at it. And I'm just like, I won't show me his business plan. So we we are fully consumed. For, full, yeah, I fully think he doesn't have one. So I've decided that we need there. to bring in a professional. To make him an influencer oh, so Jesus. he can boost his production company. Uh, Michael Dolan, what would it take to make Hambone an influencer as fast as we can? Go. I mean, I, 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 if I were to give my, my professional opinion on this, I actually think that the thi this would be kind of, kind of simple. Because, right, one thing that, like, creepy marketing people like me do, right? You look at what, what's trending, you know, what, what's hot right now? And... The, 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 as crazy as it sounds, and if you told teenage me this sitting in a basement that the coolest thing right now would be Dungeons and Dragons, I would have like, you know, thrown myself onto 280. But I mean, I think there, there's a, there's a big, uh, a big opening right now for people who have, who have RPG and Dungeons and Dragons credibility. Like that's a legitimate thing right now. So I mean, 20 side of die tattoo y'all. 
Uh, there you go. Like, there, there, I mean, who's got that kind of like credibility? You know, you do that. You, you, you get one or two uh, RPG themed catchphrases on a T-shirt. You start getting those T-shirts seen in the right places. I think you're well, well on your way to, to becoming an influencer. You, you could know? you could be the Peter Rosenberg of RPGs. Thank you. Like, but we need to like step this up. Like, we, we do. need to. You need to. You need to work social media. You need to get on the inst- in Instagram and not just do stories with just advertisements. You need to show the life of Bone. It's mostly me in my basement just editing things together so people sound good. You see, up till now, I've just been playing up the fact that you used to be a somewhat rock star. I had my moment, and uh, but I've realized that that Pensy Prep does not going to get you that far. No, not neither really. will Leathermouse or whatever they're called. I can't leather, get Leathermouth. Leathermouth. Okay. Although Leathermouse is kind of a fun name. Uh, I, I confuse them with Leather 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 Band. Leatherface. Leatherface. There's yeah, a lot, there's the, a lot of leather bands. I know, but anyway, so I've realized that's a failure because nobody tell you listens to that type of music. Nah. Um, and judging by the fact that I'm the only one who wants reissues of Pensy Pensy Prep vinyl, that's as far as we can get. So we gotta go with the vintage RPG stuff. We're getting there. We're modern stuff. We're getting there. We're, all right. We're gonna talk about it because I have a feeling you being an influencer will also get you laid. George. Dude, influencers get laid. Mike, <laughs> tell them this. I think they get laid on Instagram. They get laid on Instagram. I mean, look at Kendall Jenner. Is she the one? Is I don't really know. She's worth like a billion dollars. Yes. You could be the Kendall Jenner of, of, of Gen X Dungeon Dragon RPG playing people. who There's women who want that. They've got to be women. Look at what went to the fire festival. You see all those attractive people. Yeah, that's that's not my wheelhouse. They don't but like all this. That Nothing that went to the fire exist. festival wants to have sex with any of this. When we were in high school, like nobody liked punk rockers, and then all of a sudden the cheerleaders had green hair. And guess who's getting laid? Mike. <laughs> uh, you must have been thinking of a different me getting getting having any women in high school. That was not me. But what what if this is the pitch? What if instead of the fire festival, we have the fireball festival? And it'll be a, it, 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 it'll be a Dungeons and Dragons themed getaway on an island, and you get dropped off on an island, and the next thing you know, you find yourself outside a tomb of horrors like village populated by 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 influencers. Now, I think this this is an idea that might have some legs. I think it's got legs. I cast fireball. Yeah, you can block it with whatever the fuck you want, but I will win. Dude, I think it'd be great. I think you mix that up with a little bit of uh, a little bit of Lord of the Rings, Lord of the I'm sorry, Lord of the Flies. You run around naked and like influencers everywhere, and just as long as there is like multiple like levels of of, of dungeons and and double side dives. I know nothing about RPGs. But I love that you're trying. My, Thank uh, you. My level of ADHD does not allow me to play any game that requires more than like five minutes, or is called Red Dead Redemption. There you go. Uh, anyway, do you recommend the f- the the Fire Festival documentaries to people? Is there one you like more than the other? So it's it's interesting because for me, I watched the Hulu one first, obviously because it came out first, and I was sitting there thinking to myself, "Man, I don't think I can't. I'm, I have to watch this other one because we're going to talk about it on the show." And then I started watching the other one, and I was completely enveloped. And, and I think to myself, I can't believe in one week I watched two different documentaries on the same subject. They're both equally as good. It, I like the Netflix one a little better because it got me a little more mad when I saw the the people who work on the island who didn't get paid. Because, yeah, Hulu is more, we fucked over influencers and millennials. Netflix is more, no, we fucked over everybody, including people who like worked for like 60 days straight and didn't get paid a dime. Do we know if they were the people that also killed the pigs at the uh, Big Exeters? I don't know the name of those islands. Yeah. Yeah, like, do you know those pigs? Yeah. Like, someone like got them drunk and they all died? No, that that sounds like probably something that would have happened in the Hulu documentary. Possible. Uh, yeah. th- I, I meant in general. I, it wasn't covered on either no. of the documentaries. I would say watch them both. They're actually definitely both worth watching. Uh, you, you just you get more out of one than you do the other for different reasons. I was a bigger fan of the Hulu one. Yeah. Only because uh, I just liked the backstory. I also like thought it was edited a little bit better. Yeah. Uh, I liked it a little more. It was a little bit more spin and polished. The Netflix one, though, was great. I love the behind-the-scenes footage that only the fuck Jerry people could have gotten. Mike, I know you've only watched the one. I do recommend you go watch the other one as well. I would like to see that. I am not a possessor of a Hulu account. We'll, <laughs> so. we'll, we'll try to figure a way around that. Um, but, Mike, we were just talking about the only thing I can handle, which is quick bursts of video games. And we want one thing I found out about you. You are the only person in the world who likes Fallout seventy six. Yeah. And I felt we needed to give you a sidebar to just 
it, it, or let us know why we should reconsider this game after it turned out to be a colossal failure for so many levels. I will be happy to jump to the defense of Fallout 76. And I will. And I mean, George, you know this about me. I'll, I'll give the quick backstory is that I am. I love the Fallout series. I've probably played more hours in those games than anything. And I play a lot of video games. It's, you know, one of my all time favorite activities for, for multiple decades. So I, I love Fallout 76 because I think what I've loved about all the Fallout games, right, is there's a really good story. Like, I'm, I'm happy to admit that during Fallout 4, there were multiple points in the game where I was hysterically crying because this I was so invested in the story and so many, like, heartbreaking things happen. And that same story continues in Fallout 76. And I think what I, what I saw, I think why people don't like it, I think there's two reasons. I think, one, it's really, really, really hard. It's one of the most difficult video games that I've ever played. I mean, before you even get the first little bit of like joy or relaxation, you probably put like 15 or 20 hours into the game. Wow. And that's not, you know, that's not how video games are designed no. anymore. And the second reason I think that it's gotten such a bad rap is, I mean, I, I don't know, maybe Bethesda released it a little bit early and there were like some glitches, but I think this was actually a case of, you know, the internet echo chamber where people were talking about like everyone is having these terrible glitches and the experience and like things weren't working. They were broken. Like I didn't have those. And a lot of things I think people said were broken in the game were actually just things they put in to make it really difficult. Like you can only store 600 pounds worth of equipment. It's like, well, that makes the game hard and people like to hoard stuff. So I think, it's very different than the way people are used to playing video games. So, I mean, I love it. I play it every minute that I can since the day that it came out. And I've actually, you know, I, I put down Red Dead Redemption to only play Fallout 76. Wow. I'm, I'm, I'm holding out for Red Dead just to see if uh, I would like to play their online game once it's out of beta. I mean, that's basically where I'm at right now. I just kind of want a polished thing to start playing. Uh, I will eventually give Fallout 76 a chance. Is it Has it gotten better since things have been updated? Yeah, I mean, I, for whatever reason, other than, like, the occasional getting knocked off the server, like, I haven't had any really terrible sort of technical glitches or, or things that are broken. Like, I haven't had any bugs quests. Um, so no, I mean, for me, it's been great. And I think the improvements that they've made have been very, very specific, like, you know, certain things for like the frame rate being better and just making things a little bit more smoothly, other than it taking a long time to load and get onto the game for when you first started up, like that's really my only major gripe. And I would also say now that I'm like fairly far into the game, some of the storytelling, um, and I won't give out spoilers for people but some of the storytelling is as good or better as what is in fallout 4 you're just not dealing with you know human you know npcs you're dealing with notes and audio tapes and and things like that so it's just a different way to experience and tell a story uh, well, okay i will give it a chance i am a huge fallout fan fallout 3 changed video games for me made me love video games again so i will give it a chance mike thank you so much for joining us today how can the kids reach you uh, I am on Twitter at Michael Dolan. So, you know, shout, shout me out if, if you want to talk about, uh, influencers or actually more importantly, shout me out if you want to team up and do some raids and follow 76. Go. That's thank what you, I'm really about. Thank you so much, Mike. We'll, uh, we'll have you on again soon. Take thanks, care. Mike. George Hambone. Thanks guys. Well, I'm glad to see we're not the only ones who love the Fire Festival and have become obsessed with it. Well, yeah, the documentaries are amazing. And I, I do want to, I do want to like Fallout 76. I get it. You know, I'm a huge fan. Uh, you know, I have the uh, the the the, the Pip Boy that George got me. I'm shocked you didn't get the helmet. I, I, I'm glad I didn't. You heard how shitty that was. Yeah, I heard how shitty. And it was. as well as the rum. Did you hear about the rum? No. The rum was shipped. Yeah. In a like shitty Coca-Cola plastic bottle, not glass. So you paid eighty dollars for like shitty rum. You're never gonna drink it in a shitty bottle. Yeah, they've been getting just reamed left and right, yeah. and that's something I'm glad I didn't put the money down for the rum bottle either. I mean, they, they had the Nuka Cola bottles that were actual glass. So also this week, we had the launch of uh, the, or dumping, the binge dumping, what's the word for it? The drop. The drop. Of Punisher Season 2. Yes. I'm counting down the moments for when Netflix announces that 
Punisher has too been canceled. Uh, I would say give it like two more weeks. Yeah, they uh, they waited a little bit with with uh, this one. Daredevil was like the next day. It's well, and, and you know what? I'm sure that the numbers dropped off immediately once they announced it's canceled. Because of course, why are people going to continue to watch a show when they know it's been canceled? So to give themselves a little buffer, I'm sure they wait at least two weeks, or they're going to wait until after they. Cancel Jessica Jones. I wonder if they see, it, like, if they saw with Daredevil, like, they announced it very quickly, if they saw an immediate, like, drop in people oh, watching it. they had to. Because I know I stopped after episode one. I should continue. Everybody said it was fantastic. Fantastic. So I, I only saw a couple episodes of the new Punisher. Uh, you binge-watched the whole thing. Come on, son. Uh, you I'm able to watch You left anything. me bored out of my mind all weekend. I was waiting for you to call me up and say, George, do you want to play Fallout? It is, Do you want to play Fallout? It's, it's the winter. Board it's game? hard for me to like leave the house sometimes. And instead, just, it was like, no, I'm just gonna sit here and watch uh, 28 hours of television. Well, in fairness, I I watched like 30 hours of television. I edited a bunch of podcasts, and then like I ate some stuff. <laughs> I know it's very sexy. This will be a lot better once we work on his influencer <laughs> campaign. <laughs> so, Punisher season two uh, picks up where the last season left off. Yes, and uh, I want to know first of all. Uh, we already talked about the Death Watch when it's going to get canceled. Right. But I want to know where we stand with the Punisher not becoming a joke of himself. And this is like the question we've had forever. When does the Punisher just become a, a caricature of himself? So here's the thing. I watched all 13 episodes. And the first thing I'm going to say, my first takeaway, they could have did it in 10. And this is the problem I think Netflix has with most of their series. I think Iron Fist 2 would have been a better show if they had knocked it out in 10 episodes, maybe even 8 episodes. Netflix Marvel series have become completely formulaic and all, and all and mostly filler, not all killer. And a show like The Punisher should be killer. I was actually having a great conversation with our friend George about this. And I said, so... Not me. Not you, the other George. The one I live with. The... Punisher, like when you were a kid, like the things you loved about the Punisher, like he drove a cool van, he had a lot of guns, he like killed everybody, he blew stuff up. Like it was just him. It, essentially, if you look at 80s, 90s Punisher, it's just him like walking around and killing stuff. There's not much to it. Like I couldn't tell you outside of the Punisher origin story. Like looking back, like I could tell you like stories of like different comic books that I've read where I could recite entire storylines. Forget it. You could go on and on about the X-Men, different storylines. I can't find a single person that I know who could go back and be like, oh, man, this one Punisher storyline. I got some of that, say, from later era Garth Ennis Punisher. But nonetheless, like. Wait, 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 wait. What about the story arc where Punisher became a black man? Okay, so I remember <laughs> that one. I'll never forget that storyline. I remember that one where he was in prison and he had the plastic surgery. But I remember that one because it was so fucking ridiculous. Like, should never have happened. But here we are. Most of the Punisher that I remember is him teaming up with Spider-Man, him in the jungle with Wolverine. Like, I remember more about like the Punisher Armory books where they talked about like his technology than I do the actual Punisher. So that said. The one thing that you want the Punisher to do, which is, like, go on a berserk killing spree, you don't get until the last minute and a half of the series. Oh. The entire series. Now, it starts off, he's, he's drifting. He's, he's out in the world. He's in Michigan, of all places. He walks into a bar, meets a beautiful barmaid. They make love. He meets her kid. He feels kind of a sense of humanity again. And then something happens. There's like a bar fight. People are chasing this girl. The girl gets shot, lives, but she gets shot. And he leaves town and he saves this other girl. And they go on this like wacky adventure. And that's like the whole series. And it just takes you to this point where by rights, and I'm going to give you a little spoilers here, by rights in the comics, like you meet this girl, you're drifting in town, girl gets shot in a Punisher comic or any kind of story back in the day, she would have gotten a bag of money from the mob at the end, like, sorry I got you shot, and, you know, almost left your son without a mother. But no, she just goes away after, like, the second or third episode. And then it just drags on and on and on, and there's so many fucking monologues in this show, and, like, yeah, the action is gory. This sh They have gotten so gory and over the top with some of the deaths and some of the violence in this, but you know the one thing that they skimped out on? So the most memorable character in the Punisher series is his arch nemesis, Jigsaw, whose face looks like a fucking jigsaw puzzle sewn back together poorly by a blind person. And he's like, it's like a leather face mask, except it's a, it's a human face actually stitched back together. So he creates Jigsaw 
in the end, and I did air quotes for you listening at home, in the end of the first season by smashing his buddy's face repeatedly into glass. Now, his buddy was a very handsome man. His buddy was a very dapper man. So when the reveal happens that you're, now you know he's Jigsaw, and he's wearing a mask. He's wearing a mask to mask his face for the first, like, several episodes. When they finally fucking reveal him as Jigsaw, do you know what he has? A pretty cute face. He, you know, he ain't bad. And like a scar. And he's got like three scars. You know, no one would kick him out of bed for eating crackers. He's still kind of hot. What the fuck? And he what wears in the actual fuck. And he wears a jigsaw mask, correct? He, correct. He, he wears like a like a like a, a jigsaw kind of like face mask. Like it's like an Oscar mask, except it's like got like the American flag on it and like some skull stuff on it. And so he's got PTSD because spoilers. Everyone in the Netflix Marvel series has PTSD over something, and it's just, I'm sitting here watching, and I'm, I am enjoying it, but I'm kind of like waiting, because I'm like, okay, I know it's a Netflix series. I know it's going to build up to something. I know it's, something's going to happen. Something big is going to go down, and then nothing fucking happens. And then even the person who he was kind of going after, he kind of makes a deal with, and they, they go, it's the same fucking Batman super, oh, your mother's name is Martha too? I don't know what the, how you could fuck up the Punisher. He is a killing machine. He goes around killing bad guys. That's kind of all he does. You did all the, I was a soldier, my family's dead, all the PTSD stuff in season one. You could have just let him off the chain because the guy who plays the Punisher is a magnificent actor. He's a magnificent Punisher, and they never actually let him do any Punisher shit until the last minute and a half of the fucking series. Sorry I don't let you get a word in there. Wow. Wow. Like, I... I I, I don't even know where to begin. You know what I just did? I just saved you 10 hours of your life. You're welcome. So you think people shouldn't watch this? No. Wow. Like You know what? And I, and I, you know I love Netflix. Cool. But I'm just sitting here going, man, like, you you know, and it's funny because I remember they kept pushing it back because of, all, you know, and, and understandably they pushed it back a lot because there was a lot of violence actually happening in America. I get that. However, for what it turns out to be... I don't get why they pushed it back. They pushed back the first season, not this season. Oh, I thought they pushed this, back. No, this, that was, no, this season was not pushed back. Forgive me. Either way, um, wasn't worth it. So since you just just ate the whole segment, you literally took it, you put some salt and pepper on it, you cooked it for five minutes just so it was a little bit, you know, just a little bit medium, and then you just ate the fucking Punisher sandwich so no one else can say anything. And I'll give that to you because... I will, because I talk too much, because I talked the entire last episode, it's okay. and I felt tar- terrible, and then you presented this amazing present to me. So instead, I'm going to pose another question you, to you. Go for it. Because we saw the John Wick 3 trailer drop this yeah, week. Yeah, we did. And it was fucking insane. It was so good. Is John Wick really what the Punisher should be if done right at this point? 110%. Except the fact that all this blood and gore is because of his dog that died and not necessarily because, or his car was destroyed, not because his family was murdered. That said... Well, nonetheless, it's what the Punisher should be. It's, it is, and it, it's so well done. And the fact that, especially in the last one, and I know in this one, John Wick is the is the one being chased, not necessarily the, right. the one punishing. I think they actually do. John Wick does the Punisher the way it should be. Amen. I'm very excited for the John Wick movie. We will see it. Uh, on another note, Glass got terrible reviews. I heard that. And that was the other thing. I was hoping on Sunday you'd say, hey, George, how about tonight? Maybe we'll go see Glass. Like, you want to go out? All right, listen. I know I need to get better about leaving my house. I, I am working on it. I, I am working on it. Like I, But the funny thing about Glass was the reviews are terrible. That said, the uh, fan reviews, the, it, 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 the skew is opposite. So I think Glass is a good watch on demand. Well, I mean, so here's the thing. With a movie like Glass, right? Uh, our friend Jen was talking about it last night, and, and she made a lot of sense because she was saying I was getting terrible reviews. You know, with, the, with what happened with Unbreakable, it, you know, it had the, the Shyamalan twist, right? What happened with, uh, what's the other one? Stitcher? Not Stitcher. Um, um, Blanking completely right now. So with the other one, with the, with the beast in it, split. There was a twist, a Shyamalan twist. But now, like, you know kind of all the twists. It's just a superhero movie. Do you want me to blow your mind a little bit? Blow my mind. So I'm reading. Uh, we're all over the place today. And we only have about 15 minutes left. But I am reading Doctor Sleep by Stephen King. Doctor right. Sleep is the sequel to The Shining. Oh, cool. Uh, it's very well done. It's uh, not really a sequel. It's more just like the story of Danny 30 years later. Yeah. He's alcoholic. He's all fucked up. He's still got The Shining. He meets other people who also have The Shining. And what I realized The Shining was, M. Night Shyamalan Ding Dong basically just ripped The Shining off with um, Sixth Sense. 
Whoa. Right? I see dead people. I see them all the time. They can't hurt you unless Whoa. you let them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm sorry, but this. the episode now, my mind. Yeah. Sixth Sense was The Shining, except it didn't go into, like, you know, into a world of dementia um, as the book did. And this, the, I'm enjoying the new book because it's the story of Dan finds this other little girl. There is a kind of like almost a vampiric cult of people who uh, they can eat mutants that have the power that someone like Danny or these other people have. Uh, There seems to be a lot of these... Like cannibals? You know how the black person in uh, The Shining also had that power? The uh, caretaker? So there's other people out there who have this mixture of telekinesis and telepathy and and seeing dead people. Uh, There's this vampire cult, except they're not vampires in the traditional sense, that will go and destroy and eat them when they're ripe at like 10 years old and absorb their essence and then become young again. Okay, that, that tracks. Yeah, it's, it tracks for a Stephen King thing. It's actually very good. I'm about halfway through it. Uh, but I thought about it, I'm like, wow, that's the sixth sense. This mm. one definitely plays more on the the mutant factor than the alcoholic dad right. going nuts factor, cool. at least so far. But So I do recommend Dr. Sleep so far. Let's talk a little bit about True Detectives. Yes. Uh, True Detectives was a show that had a very a very interesting, a very powerful first season that I can't say was necessarily good because I found the last act to be, they did all this weird fiction that didn't pay off. It was like weird for the sake of being weird, but it was good. I'll agree with you there. I, yeah. I think that the ending felt a little shoehorned. The journey was better than the, than the destination. Right. Season two sucked. Yeah. Sucked balls. It was bad. It was like a really bad shot. And I think it's because the writer, much like you've been saying forever, it's your thing. You know, your first album is the album you work your life towards, then your follow up. That was a situation where he spent all his life writing that first story and then just had no idea to follow it up. Yeah, probably had no idea it was going to get picked up for like a major, like. HBO program. HBO did the right thing. Instead of shit-canning him in the show, they decided to just give him more time to write the next season. Right. They gave him an extra year. And the first three episodes have been very, very good. It follows the story of, of a detective through three decades, uh, the early 80s, the early 90s, and current day. Were in the 80s, he was a young detective who found out two kids were missing, and he has to go find them in a small town and find out what happens to them, whether they're dead or not. And whatever weird creepiness is involved, that the '90s are them reopening the case because of sloppy detective work or something, and the current one is him going back as an older man who might have dementia, trying to figure out what went wrong with the case and remembering things he couldn't remember before. Right. Uh, it's he's played by, and I'm I'm gonna screw up his name. So Maharasha you, Ali. Really, thank you very much. You did that much better than I could. I've been have. practicing, and I still might be saying it wrong, but I'm I'm sorry if I did. Much like the first season. The acting is second to none. Oh, my God. And Steven Dorff. Steven Dorff, amazing. So I'm three episodes, and we're three episodes, and that's where we're at. Uh, HBO does not binge. Do you think HBO should binge? Like, would you like this more if you could binge? Or do you like, is it so dark that it's nice to have a breather? So let me me qualify this. Mm -hmm. I... I love binge watching TV. I love watching television. I love watching television. I realize that there are different ways to do it because I love the Netflix model because you'll binge something. But sometimes I, I just want to keep going and going and going, but I, there's not enough hours in the day or I, I do need to go to sleep at some point. I like the way that, say, so what the DC streaming service is doing right now with Young Justice, which is what I'm excited about this week. I'll talk about it a little later. They're dropping three episodes at a time. And I think dropping something in three episodes chunks gives you enough time to be satisfied and then get excited and give yourself like a week to kind of like think about it a little bit and then want more. I think three episode chunks, four episode chunks, maybe depending on the length of the show is kind of a better way to drop things. But one at a time, that shit sucks. <laughs> I I am really enjoying this story. Uh, I, I sometimes feel like I need to rewatch an episode to pick up the little nuances because there's a lot of conversation. Yeah. And when they find shit's great... Uh, the main character is got almost like a, I don't want to say sixth sense because we just made fun of, but he's got this tracker ability in the army when he was in, I guess Vietnam, Vietnam. he was a tracker and he basically would find where the bodies are. Yeah. And that's what he does here. And they haven't said that there's any uh, supernatural stuff yet, but you feel it almost. 
And that's what I like about it. I liked, and what I liked about the first season, where ultimately you knew there was something odd and supernatural happening, but they don't make it overt. They they give it kind of an ambiance where you feel it throughout every episode, and you kind of it's like kind of just scratching at you a little bit, and you know it's there, but you're they're not beating you over the head over mm-hmm. with it, which. In the end of this, if it turns out to not be a supernatural thing, you're kind of like cool with it. It was just a general eeriness, but I think there's something supernatural going on. Like I love there's this one, uh, I don't know if he's Native American or not, but I feel like he might be a uh, junker. He's also a former vet who basically he's a, a junker now. He goes about yep. collecting trash, and he may or may not have seen these children. He's a very high up... Uh, uh, what do you call it? Not witness. Uh, uh, suspect. Person, person, person of interest. And they uh, watch a lot of cop shows. And it, it, you know, gets out there that he might be a person of interest, and he gets fought, fined by a bunch of hillbilly hicks, and they beat the shit out of him. And I just like, like you could tell he is a former like marine because he fights them back. Like you could tell. And then when he runs in and grabs that suitcase or that bag, I just want to know i want to see him kick all their asses yeah and i just all the characters in this show are written so well so well uh i can't recommend true detective detectives more i think it's worth a shot if you hated season three or were let down a little by season one but you want to re-feel what you felt the feels you had in season one i think season three is definitely worth checking out or you know what's great about this you could just start a season three because each season is an independent Sucked story. In. It's like Fargo, which I believe also was given a, a year to yeah. relax. Yeah. And Fargo is one of my favorite shows on television. And that's another show where season two, it just it jumps in quality. Yes. Uh, every season gets better and better. No, no, no. Not down, though. No, no. Up, up. Up, up. Yeah. I think they're on season four. Yeah. Like, it gets better and better and better. Well, no, that's the thing. Season one was a little kind of a grind to get through. But then season two was just like... Fargo, I think, was just a slow build. Yeah. But I, I, I think it's great. I definitely check. And you can also just wait till the end of True Detectives and binge it. Like Hambo does. Yeah, just binge it then. So it, there you go. Now, a show I haven't watched, but everyone has recommended to me. I just have never been a fan of the universe is Star Trek. Star right. Trek uh, Discovery. Yes. Season two just came out. Ooh, yeah, it did. I've heard mixed reactions to the first episode. Oh. Talk to me. I loved it. You loved it. I, you know what? I thought season one was a perfect season of television. Mm-hmm. And in the very end, in the very last thing, and we're going to go into a little bit of spoilers here, but the Enterprise shows up. And you're the one main... Which ca- one? The the original, you know, Enterprise. Ah, my Enterprise. Your the Enterprise. Next generation. Okay, so this is the, the TOS, the original series. And one of the main characters, uh, Michael Burnham, her half-brother, her stepbrother, is Spock. So you're like, oh, shit. It's about to go on, but I'm kind of like, I don't know, man. I don't, I, I'm not ready to see Captain Kirk. I don't need to see Captain Kirk in this world. Nope. And it's Commander Pike. And in episode one, they open up the doors, and the new the commander coming onto the deck of the Discovery is Commander Pike. And the guy who they got to play Commander Pike is awesome. And the series is one of the most fast-paced science fiction series that I've ever seen. It is... You're, you're constantly... You know, there's action for action's sake, and then there's the action that has your heart in your chest. Like, you're going to want to put down your phone, and you're going to want to watch what's happening because they are constantly moving at a fast pace. And then when they slow it down, they're really good at doing the drama. They're very good at doing the interpersonal stories and the character development. So I am super, super psyched that Discovery is back. And my one one complaint with it is that uh, as I've gotten a little bit older and more mature, I realize that trailers kind of suck because no one knows how to cut a trailer anymore. They want to they tantalize you. They want to get you excited to watch more of the series or watch the movie that's coming out, and they end up showing you some stuff where you can't unsee it, and it would have been so much cooler if they had let it happen organically and you're watching the show and you have that moment because there's an honest-to-God moment in the, the season trailer for the rest of the season where Michael Burnham, and her stepbrother, stepbrother Spock, are smooching. They're doing, they're, they're hard making out. And I mean, I know that, like, you know, the stepbrother, stepsister porno is big on the internet these days, but man, I don't know about Spock but and his o- half sister. But is it okay if they're alien? I don't know, man. It was just, it was jarring because I think that's something where there's a lot, a lot of deep history that they've alluded to in the first episode between Michael and Scott and Spock. Michael Scott, the fucking office, my God. And 
I want to know what's going on. But then I see this trailer and I see the making out. It's just like, well, did she develop feelings for him? Is that the whole thing that now that that's why they haven't talked in like 20 years? Like, come on, man. I wanted to see that happen as it happened. Like the trailer has kind of ruined things for the show. That said, watch Star Trek Discovery. I, it's awesome. I, look, I feel for you with the incest sex thing. No, it's, it's, it's not that, that necessarily. It's just that if that was going to be a thing, like... You gotta let things. You gotta. No, no, no. no. When no. things are supposed to happen in the story, let me get there when I get there. So I understand where you're coming from. I, I understand your awkwardness and the weird feels you have because I'm in the middle of watching BoJack Horseman, <laughs> and I'm getting deep into these seasons when there starts to be uh, human on on horse and human on on dog and human on cat sex, and I didn't know how I would feel about this because right. bestiality is not my kink. I know it might be yours, but it might be yours, and we're George. not judging, but we're just saying it might be your thing. I am not, and I thought I would be a little put off by the human on horse sex, but it turns out that <laughs> that on the show, it just doesn't seem to be a thing because they're so much more progressive than our society, right. and they're just okay understanding that humans and animals are, are very much the same, and they, they could be able to copulate. Um also, interspecies sex, like you know, fish and dogs, or right. birds and fish, or or cats and and mice, which is a major plot line of the story. They all have sex together, and it's not weird. Right. Um. The, lots of horse on human sex. Um. <laughs> it's just very. You know, the main character is Bojack, who's a horse, and and you know, the other main character is is the Asian Daria, uh, played by the uh, lady from. From Mad Men and from uh, Glow, I'm blanking on her name right now. Uh, oh, uh, Alison Bray. Yeah, Alison Bray. She they they have sex and it's okay. And I'm just you know I'm starting to get okay with it. It it's it, it seems to be something that that you, again we should just be more accepting as a society in this you know Me Too you know era of goodness. Hey man, I just think that whatever it takes to make your light shine, good for you. Just don't hurt anybody. So do you Check recommend Star Trek for people? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's a great show, and it, I think it's a really good progression for people who loved the original series, people who love the next generation, and kind of bringing both worlds together and giving it legs for the modern world where things are a little more action-packed and a little, little bit faster. So there you have it. Star Trek. Star Trek. Star Trek. What's the name of it? Darkness? Into the Darkness? No, that's the other Discovery. one. Discovery. Discovery. What a horrible name. It's kind of a shitty name. It's such well, a I shitty mean, name. Well, I mean, it's the name of the ship. That's what kills me. Yeah, Discover it's, me. It's the, it's the name of the Discovery. ship. Discovery. They could have just called it Star Trek. Uh, I no, can't. I, look, I'll give it a chance because you recommend it, though. Do you need to be a fan of the recent movies to like it? No, not at all. You And in fact, like, you don't even need to be a fan of the original series or even the next generation. Like, you could get into this... And hopefully it would encourage you to go back and check out some of the other series of Star Trek. But this is one of those things where they've built it where shit gets explained to you. Just watch it. Awesome. Thank you very much, Hambone. So let's just uh, tie up a little loose end. The Refused Punk Rock Cannon. In or out? It, 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 so far, it's in. We still have a couple days left. Right. Uh, right now, it is It is in. Uh, I was expecting the anti-hipster contingent of punk rockers that we're friends yep. with yep. to uh, pummel it so hard. Yeah. But it looks like State of Punk to Come will be in the canon. We'll see. There's a few more days left. If you want to vote, go to my Facebook page, uh, Facebook front slash George Coronius. You'll find it. Look me up. Uh, it's public. He looks the same in his photo. Yeah. I'll be an influencer one day. Not as good as <laughs> Hambone. Uh, but that's uh, d definitely very interesting. I think the conversation last week was great. I'm glad that the, the Gigi Allen documentary documentary people liked it enough to post it on their uh, on their Facebook page. That oh wait, was not, so so they so the people who made the documentary is the one found who it, it and posted it. Oh, that's amazing. Oh yeah, it's the documentary. It's not Gigi Allen. Oh my god, okay. it's all in the family. I thought it was like a like a fan site that posted no, 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 it. I'm no, like, no, you're no. gonna come after no, us no, with no. torches. It's not a again. I don't think Gigi Allen has a fan site. Fantastic uh, documentary. But, by but the that way. said, if you know Merle Allen or like the mom, like follow or involved at all in the documentary, they might actually see our review of it. And we talk all about poop in there. I said nice things about his mother. Yes. It, we love the movie, too. We yeah. do recommend it. Uh, so what cool shit do you love this week? The cool shit that I love this week, I, I fell, I've fallen down another hole. It's uh, Young Justice, which is one of my favorite cartoons in recent years. It's finally back on the DC Universe app. 
They're releasing it three episodes at a time, and they have not lost a step. I mean, I think it's been off the air for a few years now, maybe four years. Uh, they brought it back. The fans clamored for it. They wanted it back. Netflix almost got it. And then DC is like, whoa, we have all this content. We're going to make our own Netflix uh, for DC. And so it is exceptional. And the other thing, I'm, I'm watching a lot of cartoons these days. I watched The Legend of Avatar in its entirety a few months ago. I finally got around to watching The Legend of Korra, which is four seasons, 13 episodes apiece. And I've only got like four episodes left. So I should leave my house. The only cartoons I've been watching lately is Puppy Dog Tales. I saw that upstairs. Yes. Yeah. Yes. He loves, Gabe loves Puppy Dog Tales. That's Those awesome. Those little big-eyed little pugs. Who doesn't I mean, love a big-eyed little uh, pug? Come on, son. Like, and I told you, I told you upstairs, but like the big challenge we're having right now with him is that he is only a fan of physical comedy. Yeah, so George informed me that next time I come to the house, if I want to get his son's approval, I have to take a Ric Flair bump. You have to fall on your face. He'll laugh his ass off. All he watches is fail videos. It's so frightening. Like, I'm so scared as a father that my child uh. only likes fail videos. I don't know what to do, but that, that's the way the world works. Um, my favorite thing this week is the, uh, the R. Kelly documentary. I finally finished it. Oh, my God. Yeah, I got nothing. I mean, he is just, it's R. Kelly being R. Kelly. I mean, this is nothing we didn't know. Like, anyone out there who survived the 90s, especially if you worked at Sam Goody, you knew this guy was a scumbag. So it's it's amazing that with, you know, especially since you mentioned the Me Too movement before, if this had happened when the Me Too thing was happening, it would have been all over for R. Kelly. However, I feel like he's been grandfathered in because it happened so long ago. I don't agree with it. I well, think I mean, he got, drop, he got dropped by his label oh, that, this week. Though that happens? Yesterday. Oh, shit. Uh, and okay. obviously every person who's ever done a duet with him is pulling their songs off of... Uh, off the internet, which I don't agree with, because I do think that I just think it's it's funny because now they're doing it. Like only look, look, you're only fucking doing it because of the documentary that came out. <laughs> but like, listen, everybody knew what was going on, dude. I th- was it like Chappelle was making like uh, yeah, skits about it? How many years ago? I know. I, he it, this is just insane. He married Aaliyah when she was like 14. It's like literally he forged documents, and it was just look. It, forgery is a crime. It was a hundred percent. Look, I can't look as white male is very hard for me to even understand how a certain population could feel about him clearly they didn't want to you know destroy a strong black male who is inspirational to a lot of people he obviously was very in touch with like the the older female uh church going society you know i believe i can fly right he was very much in tune that they didn't want to well they're not gonna look at space jam they, again the they, same way they didn't want to destroy him, I've never seen Space Jam. I'm well, that's sorry. Like, there's like that's the big song for that the was movie. Him. Yeah, but it was also sung in like every choir in the world. Oh yeah. And this is, but to, yeah, to, but then the church, you know. But this is like not only the stuff we knew about, but like he has a sex cult to this day. He has women he keeps in like his home chained or not chained, mentally chained with buckets in the corner so they can't get up to go pee or poop. Yeah, he is insane, and and it's crazy that it took till now. And I'm telling you, this one millennial at work who was like, "Oh, I'm watching the R. Kelly thing," and I'm like mind boggled that this that they knew about, like people knew about this. And I was like, um, I was just, we all knew about this. This was very much uh, in the know. It was all over the news. It's very public. It's just people chose to not want to destroy him it was also pre obviously pre-social media yeah i don't know if it would have done much would he have been bill cosby before bill cosby i don't know well i mean it didn't work with the Chappelle skit no but the but pe- again people knew yeah people just didn't care i guess or there was a lot of that shaming like like the victim shaming yeah. was like well they knew what they were doing where were the parents where were yeah. this and this and so, also if you say stuff like that fuck you so the six-episode documentary moves pretty quickly. If you're at all fascinated by that, it's worth watching. Uh, it's on Lifetime, though, which is a little strange. And the editing was a little yeah. strange. It was weird. It was very much life. Like, I wish I could have seen ESPN 30 for 30 do this. Like, they did Made in America, the OJ story. Listen, if the people who did the 30 for 30 uh, did, did something like this, it wouldn't have taken a week for the label to drop them. Yeah, you know? yeah, it would have been in advance. They would have had like previews. Uh, anyway, thank you so much, everybody, for joining us today. Once again, please rate, review, and subscribe for all the new uh, subscribers and YouTube watchers. 
you know, please Welcome. stick around. We do have good stuff. We have we have mo- more guests planned all year around. Oh, we have so much fun. They stuff They aren't planned quite for you. as pretty. I noticed Frank was very pretty. He's a very like, attractive man. He's still man. very pretty. Oh, it's yeah. very strange. Yeah, like, he's super hot. He is not like aged at all. Yeah, it's no. really really weird. Yeah, I uh, mean, I've aged. He has not. Not at all. Not at all. I, just saying. I'm just putting it out there. I was. I was. You know, it was nice sitting next to him. <laughs> I just wish I had his mic up higher. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, you've been hearing about that all week, haven't you? <laughs> How can the kids reach you, Hambone? You can find me on Instagram at John Hambone McGuire, where I pretty much put up pictures about my adventures and the podcast I produce. You can also find me on Twitter at Hambreaker, where I'm constantly talking about professional wrestling, Dungeons and Dragons, and hot takes on the cute cartoons that I watch. I am George. You can reach me at GLK Creative on Instagram, on GLK Creative at Twitter. If you want to read all the all the weird stuff we cover here and more, check me out at cultofgeorge.com. I'm finally slowly getting that archive up there. All my old photos, they will be up there soon. All my old rock and roll stuff. You can check us out. Visit mytitv.com to check out our whole archive and stay tuned. Rate, review, and subscribe. Love us to death. We want you to be with us forever. We want to be your influencers. You know? Because Cambone can't keep this up on his own. It starts here. Take us out, Hambone. Everybody remember, be nice. Aloha. 